have been talking about the way of Jesus, and uh, what I've been doing on Sundays is I've kind of like been I've been using this illustration, and Eugene did it again last week. Was that we're saying this is the broad way, right? And then this is the narrow way, and uh, and Jesus says to us that hey. I actually don't need you to go down that broadway because if you're going to go down that broadway, uh, you're going to land up endangering your life. It's not going to be a good place. The end result is not going to be good. So Jesus says, I want you to follow my way, and it is a narrow path, and it's, and it's not always going to be easy, but if you put your hand in mine, I will walk with you, and I will be with you. So we're diving into this, this, this talk that Jesus gave a long time ago, but so many people today will tell you it's just one of the, the, the most outstanding talks that, is, that has ever been given, and it has influenced the way the world has, has, has um, moved on through the centuries. So this is the Sermon on the Mount, as uh, Matthew talks about it, or Luke Luke talks about it as being the Sermon on the, on the Plain. But, but really, it's Jesus' introduction to a new way of life, to a new way to be human. And so he talks about his kingdom. Uh, he talks about this narrow path, this kingdom way of life. So let's get right into it. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read the first 12 verses over here. So Matthew tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and Jesus began to teach them. And this is what he said to them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And then Jesus goes on and he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you, when people say false things about you. They say all kinds of evil against you, Jesus says. Blessed are you if, you, if, if that comes to your way because of me. He says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, the way that you get persecuted, the way that people mis, uh, um, uh, malign you or, or, or speak bad about you, this is the same thing that happened to the prophets that were before you that we read about in the Scriptures. And you know, I don't know how many times you might have read through the Beatitudes or listened to talks on the Beatitudes, but, but Jesus, throughout his ministry, takes these ideas and he speaks about these ideas. He tells parables about these ideas. He challenges people who don't live in this way. And he gets close to those who do. And if you look at Jesus, his own life, he embodied this way of life. He lived it. And eventually he landed up giving his life. He, he gave his life as a sacrifice for everyone who falls short of this way of living. Gave his life as a sacrifice. And then what he did is he gave us his spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live his way. So Jesus is teaching here with these Beatitudes about the blessed life. He's talking about what it means to live a blessed life. And, and he uses that word blessed like nine times in these 12 verses. And this section of Scripture is often known as the Beatitudes. Does anybody know where that word comes from, the Beatitudes? 
Anybody know? You don't know? It's a, it comes from a Latin word. A, the Latin word is beatus. And uh, that Latin word means to be happy. That's where the Beatitudes come. He's talking about the happy life. This is what, this is, this is, the Latin word is, it means to be like, like happy, like blessed, like woohoo. Yeah? You with me? Like what? Like Beat, like Beatus, happy. Every time I see Beat, I'm going to go, there's happy, okay? So it means to be in a, in a state of well-being. And, and I spoke a few weeks ago about the, the, the idea of shalom. And th- this word, the Beatus, corresponds with that word, that Hebrew word shalom, which is all, it's not just about peace. It's about right relationship with God. It's about right relationship with others. It's about right relationship with ourselves and, and, and with the whole of creation. And so Jesus is talking here about happiness. He's talking about how to be happy. And he's talking about how his kingdom changes the way we think about happiness. So when we look at this, we could say that he's talking about joy, that he's talking about contentment, talking about the good life, talking about the state of well-being that probably most of us want. We all want to have that blessed, blessed life, that sense of everything being okay, that sense of rightness. And so what he's saying is because of my coming and because of the kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of God having been brought, been brought to bear on this earth, Jesus says this is what happiness looks like. But let's think about it. Is he right? What, what, what would you say are the ingredients for a blessed life, for a happy life? Well, I mean, if, if you had to ask the average Australian what they thought the ingredients for a happy life are, to have a good life, what, what do you think those in, ingredients m- might be? What would make for a good life? Money? Beer? Beer. <laughs> Family? Pudding. Footy. Oh, footy. <laughs> footy, doll. Okay, footy. Yeah, footy is a big one. The footy, sorry, I didn't, I thought you said pudding, my ear, my ears, my hearing. You need to pray for me. <laughs> okay. Any, 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 any other ideas of what would make for, what the, what, what the average Australian would say, well, this is what I need for a good life? Toys. toys. <laughs> yeah, and we're not just talking toys from the toy shop, are we, Odie? We're talking the, yeah, the big boy toys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, um, I think that you're right. I think that the average person would look to stuff to say, this is what's going to make me happy. Or look to people to say, if, if that's right, if that's right, then that's going to make me happy. I came across this, this, uh, this kind of secular list of Beatitudes. I thought it would make up a, a good list of Australian Beatitudes. Blessed are the rich, for they can do what they want. <laughs> Blessed are you when you accept yourself, for you can find inner peace. Blessed are the sexually and romantically fulfilled, for there is no other path to joy. Blessed are those who believe in themselves, for they will accomplish their goals. Blessed are the influences and people who are very put together. Blessed are those who are rising in their careers, no matter the cost. Yeah? And I think... This is pretty true for, for society. In fact, if I, if I think about the culture in which we live right now, um, when it comes to our happiness, 
what I see on social media and what I see on TV and, and what gets beamed at us through advertising and stuff is around, you know, how to, how to make money, how to accumulate wealth, how to be a better person, how to be a better leader, how to be an influencer, you know, an influ- how many followers have you got on Instagram, you know, then, then you really are an influencer, how to prioritize yourself, you know, to be proud of who you are and where you come from and what you're capable of and, and what you identify as. That's the message of the broad road. And then Jesus comes along and he basically says the exact opposite of all of that. Essentially, when I look at these Beatitudes, what Jesus is saying here, when I look at it, Jesus is saying, if you want true happiness, you've got to know that true happiness is not based on your circumstances. And the second thing that he says over here is that true happiness really can only be found when you give yourself to something more important than your own happiness. And true happiness can only be found when you realize that you, that you can't find it on your own. And I'm not going to go through all of these verses right now, but I'm going to just dig into a couple of them. We don't have the time to go through the whole passage. But I want to I show you here why I think Jesus says that true happiness is not based on your circumstances. I mean, you just need to look at verse 4 of Matthew chapter 5 where he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He's saying, blessed are those who mourn. So, so you're grieving. You're, you're grieving because of negative circumstances. And then, and then if you read the rest of these verses over here, he ends, Jesus, by saying, you're blessed if people don't like you, or if they mistreat you, or if they say really bad things, awful things about you, for his sake, because of him, you're blessed. Blessed. Now, I think if we're going to be kingdom people, because Jesus calls us to be kingdom people, this is why he's come to invite us into the kingdom. If we're going to be kingdom people, we've really got to get our heads around this. Because most of us tend to think that happiness is found in a set of circumstances. Certainly the people around us in the world around us will, will base their happiness on a set of circumstances. So if this happens or if that happens, you know, then I'm going to be happy, Right? You're happy when what you want to happen happens. If what you want to happen doesn't happen, you're unhappy. You're not happy. And that's pretty much the marketing message of every advert that gets beamed at us. Everywhere that you turn in our culture, it attaches circumstances to happiness. But Jesus is saying here, for example, in this verse here, that happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who mourn. Tears streaming down your cheeks, but yet there's an absolute joy on the inside. You might go, well, how, what, is he ta- what is he saying? How? You know? But Jesus says, well, because of me. Because of me, you can have this happiness. This is the message of the kingdom. When, when you accept the rule, of reign, rule and reign of God in your life, when, when you accept the, 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 the range of the effective will of God in your life, when you surrender to His rule and reign, what happens is you are made right with God. That's what Jesus says. You're made right with God. And so now you have a God who walks beside you. Now you have a God who comforts you. Now you have a God who is with you through all things. And so when people misrepresent me or when people speak evil of me or reject me or when people mistreat me because of Jesus, I can still be blessed. How? Do you know how I'm blessed? Because I know I've got a reward coming. Great is my reward in heaven. How many of you have your eyes fixed on the reward that is to come? 
Or how many of you are focused on the things of this life and that's what's consuming you? That's what's become big in your life. And Jesus is standing on the narrow road and he's saying, don't go down that road because this is what the world does. It, 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 can, it, it sucks you in. It consumes you with stuff. It'll tell you that you can get your happiness from this or that. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the path to go. And so we can be blessed because great is our reward in heaven. The Bible speaks to us so much when you get into this book about the age to come. The age to come. To fix our hope on, on what's ahead of us and what's in store. And I think so many of us struggle to get this. I think because our focus is on this broad way so often. We're in danger of heading down that, that road. Our focus is on life right now. And it's true that I'm not saying life right now doesn't matter. I'm not saying that our circumstances don't matter. But what Jesus wants us to understand is that these things are not a determining factor in our happiness. And so a Christian is somebody who can weep and still be blessed because you know that there's a deeper joy and a a happiness that, that that is not tied to your circumstance. I think actually none of the things um, we need to be happy in life um, actually happened to Jesus. Jesus never went after any of those things. You know, in many ways what happened to Jesus was, if you had to look at his life, is probably people's kind of most worst fear. I mean, how many of you would like to have lived the life that Jesus lived? You know, he never got married. He never owned a house. He was abandoned by his friends. He, he was misunderstood. He was maligned. He was hated by the religious authorities. He was hated by those in charge, the Roman officials, the government. He was, he was falsely accused. He got hauled off to court, had to go to, tr- go to a trial. It, it was just a sham. It was made up. And after that, he was executed. And he was innocent. He'd done nothing wrong. Jesus lived a God-awful life, didn't he? But yet, He's probably the most God-blessed human who ever walked on the planet. And so let me ask you a question this morning because Jesus says, this is the way of the kingdom. This is is what I'm inviting you into. I'm telling you to get your eyes off of this stuff. I'm telling you your happiness is not, your blessed life is not going to be found in all of these things. So can I just quickly ask you a question on this first point? If life didn't change for you from this moment forward, Right? If your situation doesn't improve, if your relationships don't improve, if your career doesn't progress, if your body doesn't feel any better, could you be happy? Because according to Jesus, happiness is not rooted in, in our circumstances. It comes from being rightly related to God. I think this is what Jesus is saying over here. Just You're looking at me so, so puzzled. I don't know if it's just a new venue or if I'm boring you. But, but I'm, I'm quite serious about this because so many of us stand on this intersection. And Jesus says, this is the way, I, this is the way you're going to find life. But so often we, we find ourselves on this broad way. And we kind, of, we kind of want a little bit of Jesus, but we don't want, want all of Jesus because this other stuff is so, so important. Let's, let's move on. Jesus also says, when I look at this, he says, true happiness can only be found when you give yourself to something more important than your own happiness. I don't know if you've noticed, 
when you've read the Beatitudes, that Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who pursue blessedness. He doesn't say that. He says, blessed are those who seek something else, something higher, something more worthy. He says, you're blessed if you seek righteousness. He says, you're blessed if you seek peace, if you seek mercy. And this is the way in, in which so many of us can get things wrong. I mean, how many of us have been faced with a, with a decision, you know, and some well-meaning person comes along, and I've done this so often, you know. They say, you know, you've got to make a decision, and what do people come and say? Well, you've got to do what makes you happy. Have you, have you ever heard that? I've said it a number of times. You've got to do what makes, what makes you happy. Now, I know that it's that, that, that area of, being, of making some choices which are going to bring some inner contentment, that's, that's, that's important. But it can't be all about our own happiness. It can't be to, to, to the point where we are negating what God calls us to focus on. Sometimes people's happiness is so important to them that they never put anybody else ahead of themselves. They'll never let anybody go ahead of them because they think, well, they're, they're going to they're trample all over me. If I always let other people go first, then they're always going to think that I've got to go last. No, it's about me. I want my happiness. Beat, happy. But Jesus says here the only way to find happiness or blessedness is to pursue something else, something more important. He says these goals of peace and mercy and justice, these, these things are way more important. Blessed are those who mercifully put other people ahead of themselves. He's talking here about sacrificing your happiness for the sake of others, sacrificial service to others. He says you're blessed if you do what is right, no matter what the cost, no matter how much it might even hurt you. And, I, and I'm sure probably some of us this morning might have found this to be true. The times in your life where you've, you've done the right thing and it's just been like hard. It's been costly to you, but you did it anyway. And you've probably looked back and said, you know what, I'm so thankful that I made that decision. It was hurtful. Or it cost me, but it was the right thing to do. Or maybe there have been other moments in your life where you've said, okay, I know this is the right thing to do, but, but if I do that, it's going to make me feel better. You know, I'll be more comfortable. I'll be, I'll be safer. I'll be, you know, whatever it might be. And probably many of us have regretted making those kinds of decisions where we've gone after the wrong thing. And I think this is what Jesus wants us to understand here. Our own happiness is not a high enough goal to live for. And if we're pursuing our own happiness at all costs, if that's what, that's what motivates us, that actually at the end of the day is, is, is going to leave us feeling emptier. If all you do is what's best for you, Jesus is saying you'll never find what's best for you. If all you do, if your whole life is about what's best for your family, Jesus is basically saying you're never going to find what's best for your family. Because blessedness can only be found through pursuing something more important. And so often we'll look at the news, we'll look at TV, and we'll see the injustice, we'll see the pain, we'll see all of these things, and it might even be happening in our world on a weekly basis, and we sit back and we don't do anything about it. And Jesus says, actually, you'll be blessed if you do something about it. You're going to find life if you do something about it. I wrote in the newsletter this last week where I spoke about Jesus, and Jesus said, you know what, you've, if, if, if you want to have this kind of life, you've got to live my life, the master's life. You've got to live his pattern of life out. You've got to die to yourself. 
The scripture says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will not bear any fruit. And how many of us, sometimes we live our lives and we have not died to ourselves. We're still pursuing after these things because that's the way of the world. And essentially, that's the way of the enemy. And the enemy is going to do anything that he can to detract from the things of God, to detract from the kingdom of light and take us down a path towards the kingdom of darkness. And we're living in an age and a time right now where our eyes need to be way more open to what's happening around us. We've got to be way more sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit to say to ourselves, what's what's happening in the natural, I can see. But what I can't always see is what's happening in the supernatural. I can't always see what's happening in in, in the spiritual realm. So God, would you show me? Would you show me so that I'm sensitive so I can do it according to your way? Live your way. Bring peace. Bring justice. Bring mercy. And then Jesus says this when I look at these Beatitudes. He's saying true happiness can only be found when you realize you can't find it on your own. Eugene spoke about this verse here in verse 3. He said, blessed, uh, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what Eugene was saying last week is that when we understand that we, that we lack the resources in ourselves to face life's challenges... That's when we're going to real. That's when we're going to realize and or begin to have a greater understanding of what a poverty of spirit means, what it entails, because Jesus says there's a blessing that comes when you realize this about yourself, that you don't have it all to get through. You're never going to have it all to get through. Great things happen in a person's life when they realize that they don't have what it takes. Great things happen in a person's life when they realize that they've got to go to God. You're not going to get through without God. And what Eugene said last Sunday was that what's ultimately got to happen is we've got to surrender. We actually have to surrender everything to God. And when we surrender, when our position before Him is to come with this continual need for more of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, only then are we going to see that God is the one who will get us through. The kingdom of the world doesn't value poverty of spirit. If you think of the way of the world, what does it value? It values being strong. It values being proud. It values believing in yourself. Come on, you're stronger than you think. You can do this. You've got what it takes. Your voice is important. Your opinion matters. So long as you believe that your greatness comes from within, you can accomplish anything. It's you. But in order to belong to the kingdom of God, the first thing Jesus says over here is you have to be poor in spirit. And to be poor in spirit means to say, my problems are actually beyond me. There's no way that I'm going to be able to do this in my own strength. I can't save myself. I need help. I'm not competent to deal with all of this stuff. Jesus says you actually have to come to that point. That's the number one requirement for entering into the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God, to be poor in in spirit. You can't come to Jesus like he's some kind of self-help guy. And that's what a lot of people do. They come to God like he's a magic genie. I can do it. I'm okay. But you know what? I think I might need God to do this. Or heck, I did it on my own and now it's gone wrong. God, where are you? Abracadabra. I've sorted it out. And that's how people approach God so often. Or they come to Jesus like, 
Where's that self-help book again? What's it called? The Bible. Oh, yeah. Where's, the, where's a good verse that I can stand on? And they treat Jesus like some kind of self-help dude. I can pretty much live my life the way I want to live it and do it on my own. But, you know, I probably need Jesus in a few areas. <laughs> you know, I don't really need him in the other, other areas, but I need him in a few areas. It's like the Irishman. You know the Irishman? Get my Irish accent right. The Irishman is looking for a parking lot, a spot in a, in a parking uh, place there in Ireland at the shopping center. And he's driving in his car and he's saying, oh God, I need a parking. Lord, would you find me a parking? I promise, Lord, if you give me a parking, I'll, uh, I'll stop drinking. I promise you, God, I'll stop with the whiskey. God, I'll, I'll stop it. Find me. If you give me a parking, God, I'll start to go to church. I'll go to church, God, if you just give me a parking. And, the, and eventually a parking opens up and he goes, oh, don't worry, God, I found one. <laughs> and, that, and, that, and that's very much sometimes the way we approach God. Help me, Lord. God, come and step in. We treat him like a, a, you know, like a self-help dude. You know, I can do life pretty much on my own, but um, maybe, maybe Jesus can help me in a few things. But if that's your attitude, it's, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to work. If you think that basically, uh, you know, if there's, if, if there's, some part that's missing and you think that spirituality or religion is going to make it up or, uh, you know, sometimes people have this idea that if they take their kids to church for a few years, they're going to get some good moral values and foundations and, and you know, we'll, take, we'll go to church with our kids when they're young. I'm just going to be honest with you. That it's not going to work. That's not how Jesus operates. He's not going to do, he's not going to do, he's not going to do it your way. Jesus is not there to be a, he's not there to simply help. And this is what he wants us to understand. He's in the business of saving. He's in the business of redeeming. He is in the business of changing. He transforms. He takes us and he says, come off of the broad road and come down the narrow road. You want life? This is the way you've got to go. Jesus says, I'm going to take you out of this kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the world, and I'm going to take you into a new kingdom, an alternative kingdom, a different kind of kingdom. And he begins to reverse the values of the world and he flips everything on its head. What the world says is the right way to go, which we so often get sucked into, Jesus says, no, this is the way to go. These are the values of the kingdom of God. How many people come to church and they think, well, I've got to get right with God? Don't put, put up your hands. But I, I know quite a few folk who go, well, I've got, I better get right with God. I better go to church because if I go to church, then God's going to fix my circumstances. You know, if I, if I go to church, God will do it for me. I'm going to, I'll get a job. You know, I'll get that, you know, I'll be comfortable. I'll have security. I'll, you know, come, whatever. If that's the motivation, again, you are missing the whole point. Because what Jesus wants to give is himself, and he wants to give us himself in such a way that we can handle not having any of those things that the world tells us that we need. And you can apply that principle right across the spectrum of Christian life. People who feel capable of doing it on their own, like if you're a parent and you think, well, I can do it on your own, and you never invite God into your parenting, You'll never experience the power of God in bringing up your children. If you think you can do it on your own, if you, you know, in your job or your business or your relationships, your career, you can do it on your own. You never bring God into that equation. You'll never see the power of God in that part of your life. Because it's when we depend on God and not on ourselves for provision and for wisdom and for power and guidance, that's when we access the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we've got to learn is we can't come to God and say, God, I've only got, I've got one hand open. 
I can do the rest. I don't, I don't really. God actually wants us to come before him with, with empty hands. Not one empty hand. Not a partial empty hand. God's saying, I want you to lay yourself down. I want you to surrender. I can take the little you have and I can do something amazing with it. I think repeatedly when I read in, read in Scripture, Jesus says, I'm not here for people who think that they don't need me. He says, I've come to call the right, not come to call the righteous, I've come to call the sick. And when we come to Jesus empty-handed, we get him. And that, to me, is what makes sense of all of this. I've got one last verse over here, verse 5, where Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you always have to have the power? Do you have to have the control? Do you have to be in charge? Do you have to have a say? Do you have to have a say? Do you have to win? Do you have to prove that you're right and everybody is wrong? Right? <laughs> Don't put your hand up. Do you have to prove, you know, that, that you've got the strength to do it, that you're brave enough or smart enough? Or do, are you one of those people who care a lot about what's right and what's fair when it's only got something to do with your own interests, your position or comfort? You know, then it's, that's a big thing. Do other people ever win in your life? Do other people ever get their way above your way? Blessed are the meek. <laughs> Gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It comes from trusting in God's goodness and God's control over the situation. Blessed are the meek. Meekness means that I don't try to force things to happen. It means that I don't have to control. I don't have to power up. I don't have to manipulate anyone. God protects me. God's for me. I'm going to walk with God. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me and direct me. Meekness, also, let me just say, doesn't mean that you, that you never say no or you never stand up for what you believe when what you believe is, is true and you stand up for the truth. We've actually really got to be sensitive to the, to the Holy Spirit so that we can know what the boundaries are. And, and, and we don't let people take advantage of us. We, we stand up for ourselves in those right moments. We, we find our voice when we've got to find our voice. But at the same time, if we're living our day-to-day -day lives reliant on the Holy Spirit and sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that's when we will know when to choose to live sacrificially for others. That's when we'll know that we've got to let others win. And it doesn't matter if I lose, if we're open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I think far too often, too many of us, we can read these Beatitudes and we go, oh, yeah, 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 blessed, blessed, blessed. But we carry on down this way and we live, the, we live in the doggy dog world, don't we? Meekness doesn't rule in a doggy dog world. But the scripture says that the meek will rule in the kingdom of God. They will inherit the earth. Folk, I just want to tell you this morning that these Beatitudes are all about the way of Jesus. And it's about the path that Jesus calls us to follow him on. It's, it's about the way of life that he calls us to. And Jesus is not simply content to have gone to that cross as we celebrated communion this morning, just to accomplish all of it for us. Jesus is not going to rest until he accomplishes it, accomplishes it in us. So we actually have to begin to take it seriously. We actually have to ask ourselves, Lord, where am I in my journey with you? How often am I finding myself down here where 
are the, the, I'm in a place of idolatry because of all these other things. They, they loom much larger in my life. And how often am I here with eyes that are open and I'm going after things like justice and mercy and peace? How often, Lord, am I full of pride and it's all about me and my happiness and my wants? And how often, Lord, am I over here when I can humble myself before you and I can be meek before you and I can be open to your spirit? And it's not about everything that I want, but it's about what you want. And even if it means I have to lay down my life right now, that I'm unafraid to do it for your kingdom's sake. And folk, this is what Jesus says all the time. And too many Christians these days have just not clocked it. Jesus says it doesn't matter if you lose your life today. He says you don't have to be afraid. He says keep your eye on the age to come. Keep your eye on the hope that you have. And too many of us value this little life. And we value everything in this little life. And the church, to a large extent, has become ineffective because us as believers have kind of made this bit of a decision to not truly be kingdom people. Or what we've got is one foot in the broad way and one foot in the narrow way. And we're kind of, like it says in Revelation, lukewarm. And, and the scripture says that, God, either have you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm, because he'll spew you out. And, and we actually have to come to a place of saying, Lord, what do you want from my life? What does my life surrendered to you look like? Am I harboring unforgiveness? Is there bitterness in me? Am, am I angry towards other people? Am I the kind of person who would be very quick to flip the bird, to use foul language, to fly off the handle? Am I the kind of person who's going to tread over all the people around me to get what I want? These are the kinds of questions as the church we really have to begin to ask ourselves. And I'm not talking about you, because you guys are good. I'm talking about the broader church. Because what I see in the church is a weak and ineffective church today. And I think the reason why it's weak and ineffective, to a large extent, is because we have actually let the message of the kingdom of God go in one ear and out the other ear. And we're failing to take it seriously. We're failing to say, Lord, your way, not my way. And we're letting these other things just consume our lives. And I think some of us probably need to get on our knees and we need to say, Lord, would you forgive me? Forgive me for these areas in my life. Would you come and do a work in me? Because your work is a transformation work. Your work is a work of change. Your work is a, is a work where I stop conforming to the ways of this world and I begin to conform to the ways of the kingdom of God. And for some of us, that's hard because it's hard to sometimes let go. But it's all the more reason to draw closer to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit once again. Fill me with the power of your spirit. Fill me with life. Don't let me focus on all of these things. Let me focus on the work of your kingdom. And I tell you what, if kingdom people really become 
kingdom people. You're going to be amazed at what God can do. Because it's like you've opened the door and God can move and God can heal and God can bless and God can bring insight. And people will find their true calling in life. How often do you sit in a chair? And I did this for two years, Vina. I stepped out of church when I know what my calling was. And I sat at a desk for two years and I died. And I hated it. And it was like God had to take me around the mountain again. And God had to say, Andrew, what are you doing? And I had to, I had to come to a place of saying, Lord, would you please forgive me? for not being obedient. Fina, for choosing this. Because I sat in the church. Church work's not easy. And I sat in the church for a good fair number of years. And I got angry. And I began to say, I need a new car. And I began to say, I've got to pay that off. And I need a bigger bank account. I've had enough. I'm out of here. I can show you in my diary I wrote it there. Truth. And I did. Worked for a firm in Subiaco. It was like prison. And I went after it. Hammer and tong. And God had to do a work in me. And he had to remind me of the calling on my life. And now I'm at a place in my life where more and more, almost every day, I'm going, God, show me to see with your eyes. Show me what peace is about. Show me what mercy is about. Show me what humility is about. Show me, God, if I've got to drop something, that I will drop it for your kingdom's sake. That that thing will not become an obstacle for the cause of your kingdom. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because some of you are sitting right here right now and you are sitting in a situation that you hate. And God's got a plan for you. But maybe there are things in the way and God's saying, would you put that stuff aside? Maybe you're not seeing the goodness of God in your life right now because there's stuff in your life that God's saying, would you get that out? Would you leave it? When he talks about sin, it's, it's about missing the mark. And, and missing the mark is, is this mark. It's missing this core. Because Jesus says these are the things that are important. Not those things. And I tell you, I tell you from the bottom of my heart. If you want to have a blessed life. If you want to have the happy life that Jesus speaks about here in the Beatitudes. Begin to ask yourself, Lord, how do I have it? Poverty of spirit. How do I live a humble life before you? How do I put others first? How am I merciful? How do I give sacrificially for the sake of your kingdom? How do I give with one hand, not letting the, the other hand know about it? How do I become a blessing for your kingdom's cause, God? How do I help your church, this movement that you created so long ago, that is so ineffective to a large degree today. How do I bring life to it? I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, 
if that's what you begin to pursue, if, that's where you be, if you begin to lay down your life and say, God, I'm going after that, you are going to be blessed, surprised. What's the word? Blown away. Blown away happy. Blown away happy. I just want to tell you this morning, I'm not a perfect individual. I, I, I had no idea when the three of us sat down a year ago and said, we're going to do this. I had no idea what was going to happen. I still have no idea what's going to happen. But what I want to do is I want to follow after Jesus because I know he's going to unfold the story as we go. But what I did do is I made a decision to say, Lord, it's you or nothing. And I want to be the kind of person, Angela, who, like Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Those are, those are some hectic words. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But that's, that's the perspective I want to have. That's the kind of life I want to have. And this is why we're talking about this. Because Jesus calls us to a narrow way. And in Matthew chapter 7, he says, this narrow path, few people find it. It says the gate is narrow. So we really, really, really have to say, Lord, by the power of your spirit, I'm only going to be able to do it with your spirit in me. I'm putting my hand in yours, and I'm going to walk your way. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I just come before you, and I thank you that we've been able to gather today. I thank you that we've had the privilege of once again coming around your table. I thank you for the message that she shared with us this morning, Lord, that we've been adopted into your family, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. But God, may we not be like the prodigal. May we not go off in our own way. May we be the kinds of sons and daughters who are constantly with the Father, constantly communing with the Father, constantly saying, Lord, more of your Spirit, more of your Spirit. Fill me, fill me, Lord, with more of who you are. Make me like you. Change me, change my thinking. Lord, I thank you for this message. I, I, I love the fact that we are digging into your word and we're not tiptoeing around it. And so, Lord, may the truth of it, may the reality of it somehow grasp us. May it grip us. May it be a cause that we say, God, like Paul, for me to live is Christ. And if I die, if I lose my life in this, it's okay because I'm going to gain. The kingdom of heaven is mine. I have a reward in store. Open our eyes, I pray, Lord. Soften our hearts, renew our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.